College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, tonight is kind of a weirdly, obviously disappointed mood, I think, in Broncos country for for obvious reasons, but also a little bit of a somber, still kind of apprehensive mood because everyone's waiting to find out what the heck happened to Teddy Bridgewater uh, on that very, very scary play where the lights went out and he was ultimately carted off the field. But Broncos ultimately fall, Zach, to the Cincinnati Bengals at home, five-point margin. What's your gut reaction? Well, I guess in the interest of fairness, uh, we have to point out Drew Locke's turnover. That didn't help anything. You can question why they called an option or a keeper, whatever that was for Drew Locke. The offense was humming through the air at that point, but uh, he gave the ball away and kind of contributed to the narrative against him. So that's number one. I want to get that out of the way now. But let's talk about Vic Fangio's clock management, or lack thereof. Not ever knowing when to take a timeout, not ever knowing when to preserve time for his offense, for his defense. Uh, You can argue he single-handedly lost the Broncos this game. It it wasn't the defense. It was always the coaching staff and the quarterbacking, the offense and the quarterbacking. Uh, Garrett Bowles went back to being Garrett Holds. The offensive line was leaky once again. The running game didn't really get going, save for a couple nice Javante runs. Once again, we saw the Broncos revert back to the norm. Everyone was kind of high on the, the Lions victory for whatever reason, but the Bengals are not the Lions. The Bengals were beat up. They lost Mixon. They were without Chidobe Awuzier. They came to Denver in a playoff implicating game, and they played their best football for 60 minutes. They were well-coached, prepared. Zach Taylor outclassed Vic Fangio. If Zach Taylor was coaching the Broncos, they would have won this game. If Zach Taylor was coaching the Broncos, they'd have a better record than 7-7 right now. So I hope and pray Teddy's okay. Drew Locke, 
Another turnover. That goes against him. The defense didn't really come up clutch. They had a third and 10 they gave up. Um, but once again, the ineptitude on the sideline is doing the Broncos in. There are 22 days until Black Monday, and it cannot get here any sooner. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. This is one of those games where, <clears throat> you know, especially when it's a one and done critical game playoffs or down the stretch where you got to have this, this might as well have been a playoff game for the Denver Broncos. You need your best players to come up in the clutch, right? And on third down, you see the dagger when Joe Burrow steps up, hits, uh, who was it? Was it Higgins? Boy. Uh, Boy. Thank you. Tyler Boyd. That's right. To convert. And who was in coverage? Just barely missed it. You know, Patrick Sertan, one of your best players. That's a moment where you need one of your best players to make the play. That was the dagger. The Broncos ultimately still. Uh oh. I guess that's on Chad. Okay. Jesse hopping in. We'll get back to Chad in just a second here. Let him finish his point. Jesse says, uh, $1.99. Super appreciate you, Jess, as always. 15 points and still lose. Wow. Pack those bags, please. Yeah. You know, I tweeted it and I've been saying it for quite a while now. Nothing is going to change in the Broncos record books or going back to the playoff, the playoff list streak. There's not going to be anything tangible, anything positive with the Broncos until they replace the coaching staff. You can change the quarterback. You can change the talent. You can scapegoat Tom McMahon or Pat Shermer if you want, but this team will never be anything different than what they are. They will never be true contenders unless they get rid of Vic Fangio. I don't really truly advocate for anyone getting fired. Tough business. He's a good coach in his own right, but he's not head coaching material, certainly not in Denver. If we held Vance Joseph to those standards and and dismissed him because he wasn't good enough, he wasn't cutting it, I think Vic should be held to the same standards. I don't want to hear injury excuses or losing Bridgewater, having to play with Locke. I don't want to hear anything. This was the most meaningful December game they've had since 2016, and that's what the best they can come up with on offense. That's the best that Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer bring to the table. It's unacceptable. It's below the Pat Bowlin standards, well below. Can't even see those anymore, Chad. And they have to make a change. It's not going to ever get any better. There's no doubt that Vic Fangio is a good defensive coach. All right? The, The television broadcast, for example, today made a great point of talking about how it's his schemes that are the in vogue thing on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm not going to try and take that away from him. It's the overall macro 10,000-foot management of the team day-to-day grind, you know, picking the right horses as a, as a business owner, as a manager, as a head coach. One of the things you do is you hire around your weaknesses. 
And in the case of Vic Fangio, obviously offense is not his strong suit. So I think we can safely say it's one of his weaknesses. So obviously, Zach, that hire has to be the right guy. And I think when it's all said and done in the final analysis, when we look back on the Fangio regime, the pivotal point is going to always be firing Rich Scangarello for Pat Shermer. And not even necessarily because, uh, you know, maybe I'm not even advocating that Rich Scangarello was the guy that, that he should have hung with. Like if he didn't like what Rich was doing, that's his purview. But going with Pat Shermer and really sticking with Pat Shermer, we just haven't seen it come out in the wash. He oversaw the uh, regression of Drew Locke in year two. Year three, you get you get Teddy Bridgewater, and I guess you know he'll have one thing that he can boast of, Zach, when it's when it's all said and done. That you know he got Teddy to produce his be- the best numbers of his career. That is, you know, prayers up. I think if Teddy comes back this year and is able to play, I think he's made a couple of career marks, um, at least in touchdowns. But nevertheless, I digress. Other than that, Zach, what can Pat Shermer hang his hat on? That's the problem. And look, Drew Locke, guys, you see the offense start moving. You see the offense start humming, and things are going well. And he makes a play, and Tim Patrick makes a great play, and you feel a little burst of momentum, and you're like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. He giveth, and then he taketh away with a boneheaded, just loosey-goosey. He's just not a guy for whatever reason, Zach. We can sit here and cry till the cows come home over it. When the bullets fly... It's not even so much a lack of poise. It's a lack of presence of mind. And maybe you could pit nits, uh, pick nit, nits on what I'm saying here is what's the difference? Poise, I don't think he's in the pocket, Zach, panicking, like afraid. You know, this isn't necessarily Sam Darnold seeing the ghosts and all that. What I mean is when that ball is snapped and the bullets are flying at you, can you still find a way to play with high efficient, high mental acuity, high function, presence of mind, he just maybe sometimes he can, but he can't sustain it. And ultimately it results in these boneheaded giveaways. I think for anyone who references Teddy Bridgewater's new career high, it's a bunch of propaganda because when your previous career high was, what was it? 15 or 16 for a starting quarterback in the NFL. uh, That's not a really high bar to leap over. I think he's also, he was pacing to set new career highs and attempts and completions. But once again, when you look back at his body of record, I don't think that's a point of, uh, of pride for this season for Teddy Bridgewater. It's just not a good combination all around. When you have a head coach who's so baffled and so clueless on the sideline, doesn't pay attention to the offense and gives the keys to someone like Pat Shermer who prefers like Fangio to play for a field goal, Chad, play not to lose, settle for three points. It's amazing when Locke entered the game, the playbook suddenly opened up, by the way. What never were downfield passes became downfield passes and actually Drew Locke was making nice throws. Once again, I'll say, he made a really bad turnover. That fumble was on Drew Locke. You have to own it if you're a Drew Locke supporter. There's no two ways about it. But he got them down to that territory. He got them down there by passing the ball, by working it downfield. So it's when you play to a quarterback strengths, when you have a quarterback that's able, physically able to make and and, uh, attempt those throws, it's amazing what it can do for the Broncos' offense. It was just never a good pairing, though, as we're seeing in hindsight, the Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, Teddy Bridgewater triangle. I mean, why did anyone think that would lead the Broncos to anywhere where they different than where they are right now, which is 500? For what it's worth, Teddy's career mark was indeed, in touchdowns anyway, 15 going into this season. He's got that beat by three. Uh, that's that's it for now as far as notable statistics that are career marks. So if he's able to come back and, and continue to play even two of these games, he'll probably get 
well, he'll have a decent chance to get to his yardage uh, PB uh, attempts maybe. But right now, guys, and by the way, if you hear any updates on Teddy while we're live, put it in the chat because we are uh, we're live. We can't sit here monitoring Twitter, and we want to know if there is any update on, on Teddy to let us know. We got this one, right? <clears throat> this uh, GM, GMB, Zach, we got this super chat? Uh, no, we didn't. I don't want the reason I'm not going to say your handle is because I don't want this account getting hit by some robotic algorithm, but appreciate the super chat. My friend, he says, great game for Baron, a great tackle by PS2 on the mix and run. Javante's run backed up to the goal line was incredible. Albert O balled out. Cooper made plays. The squad has a bright future prayers up for Teddy. Yeah, they have a lot of great young pieces, but this is one of those situations, Zach, where we're going to continue to say, yeah, but yeah, but where's the quarterback? You, you're only so good as your quarterback. And in the case of the Denver Broncos, you know, they're, they're just continually stuck in neutral. Like George Payton has to find a way to solve that this, this spring. And it might not work out in his favor. You know, Aaron Rodgers might stay in green Bay. Russell Wilson might stay in Seattle. There might not be that bona fide guy that the Broncos love in the first round. And George Payton's solutions act might ultimately be, Run it back. Wait one more year. This ain't our year to go find a to to land a bona fide, you know, relatively confident quarterback answer. I, I would, you know, just add to what you said. Yeah, but where's the results? I mean, is this what Fangio hoped for in a job saving season? Is seven and seven, five hundred right now? So I don't really care about any moral victories. I care about results. And this was a winnable game for the Broncos, as many losses were this year. If they just had a little more in quarterbacking, a little more in coaching, they would have a, an amazing record right now. Look what Rodgers is doing, despite everything he's tackled this season. He has the Packers at what eleven and four now. Did they beat Baltimore? They were leading last time I checked. You put Aaron Rodgers on this Broncos team with the talent they have, they're a double-digit win team, easy. Also, the comments didn't mention Jonathan Cooper, who was almost there about 20 times tonight. He is such a stud. He's going to be the OLB of the future, the starter, I believe, and he had a great game today from what I saw. Lots of uh, hustle plays, lots of almosts. I think he got credited with a, a sack on that uh, slide down by Joe Mixon. In fact, I want to confirm that real quick. Let me look here. Sack two, uh, let's see, sack two for Simmons, one for Shelby. Oh, they credit it to to Justin Simmons, that that uh, slide down anyway. But yeah, Cooper, he was a whirling dervish. I just, I want to see people close, man. I'm tired of the almost, you know, and he affected the play by rushing the quarterback. Well, get home and tackle the quarterback, right? Uh, Malachi says, and thank you for that very generous super, my friend. Team effort on this loss. McManus missed with a field goal. Defense gave up a two-play touchdown drive right after we score and then hang on to the ball, Drew. But why was that play even called? Hope for the best, Teddy. Never want to see that. Yeah, definitely. Especially, I mean, any injury, you don't want to see it. But especially, Zach, when it's something neck, head, it's just so, so scary. You never know. That's pretty touch and go. And especially considering Teddy, like, He's kind of thin for a cue, right? He's kind of got a frail, not frail is the wrong word, like a thinner bone structure, I guess, is, the, is what I'm trying to say. Like, um, So I worry about him. I hope, I hope he's all right. He also had the concussion earlier this year, so that has to be taken into account as well. Uh, yeah, that's number one, first and foremost, is his, is his health, and that's uh, the priority. Again, if you guys heard anything from Fangio's presser, please let us know. Um, but there's more to it than the injury, obviously. The McManus missed field goal was a direct result of Vic Fangio playing for the field goal, playing not to lose. They should have tried moving the ball closer. His time mismanagement is killing the team and has for a few years now. 
Uh, giving up the, t- the TD drive. Yeah, I mean, supposed defensive mastermind Vic Fangio, once again, his defense never comes up clutch. For all the talent they have, they'll make a nice uh, tackle, they'll make a nice pass breakup or sack every now and then, but never a game-changing play. They had opportunities today, they didn't do it once again. There's blame all, the, all to go around, but I think it starts at Fangio's feet. Word on the street from Vic is um, nothing conclusive yet from what I'm reading on Twitter, Zach, but... He's going to be staying the night in the hospital. It's a pretty safe bet to assume that the Broncos are going to have to move forward week 16 with Drew or either that or, you know, Brett Rippon, but I doubt Brett Rippon's seeing the field. DWI guys. Hey buddy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Very, very generous super chat and all that you do for the channel, especially the morning show it says, okay, everyone got to see what Teddy. Okay. Everyone got to see what Teddy uh, Bridgewater is not what Drew Locke is not what the coaching staff is not all in one game. The focus now is on next year, bringing in a quarterback and a coaching staff to get this team out of mediocrity. I think that's a pretty good way to kind of cover the bases there, DWI. I mean, we definitely now should know for sure what Teddy is not. Drew, you're always going to wonder, what what if, what if? But bottom line is he's had opportunities this year, and he's not been able to capitalize on them. Even tonight, Zach, the stars aligned for him. Um, When he got on the field, he was able to throw that touchdown and really get a momentum lift, and then he squanders it on the next possession. And you're like, gosh, dang it, Drew. Come on, dude. Uh, and the coaching staff, yeah. I mean, again, Vic, phenomenal, phenomenal defensive coordinator. He just he can't make the right hires around him to maximize the objective of filling and covering your best weaknesses with the best possible guys. But is he that phenomenal? Am I just being too emotional after this bad loss? I just like for the reasons I laid out. I mean, I would say he's really, really good. I don't know about phenomenal. Maybe it's just you know picking nits there. Dude, the the biggest thing you're here's the the one thing I'll say about Vic's defenses since he's been here, and with the exception Zach of that 2018 season of the Chicago Bears, the one that basically got him the job, right? They don't get turnovers, and they don't sack the quarterback. But I'm going to mainly focus on turnovers. You might be able to go back and look at some of those Niner defenses, um, you know, the, the the Harbaugh era there, because there was just so much talent on that side of the ball. And those defenses under Fangio were really, really good. But let's just say from Chicago 2015 to this point, you take out that 2018 season, Zach, and the game-changing plays, X's and O's wise, like figuring out how to foil quarterbacks, figuring out how to stop the run, uh, figuring out how when the, the field is shrunk to really maximize that for your defense and, and whatnot in the red zone. Like Fangio's really good at those things. What is it about his defense that is so non-conducive to takeaways? I don't know. You you just have to have, I guess, you know, all pros rushing the quarterback off the edge or it's just not going to happen. It's because Fangio coaches in a different era, just like Pat Shermer. They don't coach in 2021. And I would even say, here's my... The question, this is the true test, if I want to tell if Fangio's a defensive mastermind. Who would you rather take, Fangio or Wade Phillips? I mean, I'm taking Wade all day, every day. Uh, in terms of making the right hires, though, when you're the head coach, I feel like that's also passing the blame off of Fangio. When you're the head coach, part of that responsibility is watching over the offense, being involved with the offense. Uh, I got a DM from someone, and, and he told me that he was at the game tonight, today, and every time... Fangio was on the sideline, arms crossed, never uncrossed, never interacted with a player, offense or defense. If you saw Zach Taylor on the sideline when the camera cut to him, he was constantly hustling. He was talking to his players, keeping his team energized. I just wish Fangio had that quality, and he doesn't, and it's hurting the team. 
I saw, and it was actually the first time I've seen it all year long on a television broadcast. There was one play that it showed him on the sideline talking to, not even talking, but like being close, head turned away from the field, listening and looking at Shelby Harris, who was gesticulating, right? He's passionate about something. He was, it was in the second half there toward the end and he was fired up and that whole Shelby thing went on for a couple, two, three minutes. And Fangio was there like almost kind of being like, what's this about? I don't think he was even involved in the conversation. Then he wanders back to his, his post at the, at the line. Chris, thank you, brother. Always a, a uh, symbolic super chat on the gut reactions. He says, yep, 10 bucks, 10 points. Hey brother, we appreciate that support. We really do. You to man. Uh, 727 mil in the house. What's good? He says, prayers for Teddy. Offensive play calling was bad. I mean, horrific. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Drew didn't look bad besides the dumb play call. He gave them a life with deep pass attempts. We need Drew in for next week, locked and loaded. Drew was playing pretty well. He threw he threw some nice heaters, a couple of like just great throws, one to Albert O, one to uh, – I think the other one was Noah Fant on a sl- on an out pattern. Um, the one to Tim that was the biggest play, the touchdown. I don't, maybe he tried to throw it short like that. Didn't appear to be an accurate pass, but from the time that bad play happened, from the fumble on, he wasn't the same guy. But for generally speaking, you can say they moved the ball much better when Drew was on the field. It's just that you can't, you can never predict with him when that boneheaded face Paul moment's going to come. And Zach, when we were covering this last year and he was the starter week in, week out, uh, we would kind of laugh about, you know, like the Miami game, right? Week 11, Broncos, big underdogs. It looked like the Dolphins were cruising to a playoff berth. And he comes out on his first possession, as he had done many times that season, and did something boneheaded. And it, it was an interception. And then he comes back and he plays really well and the Broncos win the game. And we're like, he's just one of those young quarterbacks, got to get that bad mistake out. And then it's almost like his it soothes his nerves. He kind of it, it does something to like reset him. And then you can kind of be a little bit more not anxious about Drew being on the field from then on out. Problem with this, Zach, is it's too late in the game for you to have a kind of, you know, um, get out of jail or I'm going to jail for a second card, whatever you want to say at that you can't afford even one of those plays in such a tight, closely contested game. Well, of course, when Drew Locke does something right, it's always uh, excused. When he does something wrong, it's always heightened. Even if it wasn't the intended pass to Tim Patrick in terms of accuracy, at least he had the velocity and arm strength to make it down to the end zone. That was nice to see for once. So what he brought to the table was immediately re-energizing the offense. It reminded me of when he came in in 2019 for Brandon Allen at that point, and the off, I think it was the Cleveland game, and the offense just played 
just more passion, more fight. They were throwing the ball down the field. It seemed like Pat Shermer was opening up the playbook. Again, the fumble was on Drew Locke. That was on him. I don't know why they called an RPO there to begin with when the passing game was working, uh, but he was moving the ball and doing things that Teddy Bridgewater just can't. It doesn't make you biased. It doesn't make you a hater. It just makes you factual in realizing there are arm limitations to Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, just like there are brain limitations to Drew Locke at quarterback. Both are not it in Denver. Both things can be and are true. As we say and lament, man, if you could just somehow take the best from Teddy and the best from Drew, Broncos would have a franchise quarterback. Yep. Uh, Miguel, thank you, buddy. He says, would Teddy even put up a touchdown? I don't – would Teddy even put up a tutty? I think Drew put a spark in this team. There's no doubt the Broncos played with more lift up until the fumble offensively. You know, they just were moving the ball. When they threw, it wasn't three yards, and let's hope my guy can make a play. Like, Drew was pushing the ball. And the problem with that is, you know, you have to have the wherewithal, the perception to walk that razor's edge, pushing the envelope, Zach, without it blowing up in your face, you know, every two or three times you push that envelope. And this year in particular, it's been more magnified because the sample size has been so much smaller for Drew. And yet the big mistakes are happening in that small sample size. So it's like, even even worse and then as you mentioned you know for teddy that everything gets minimized if it's a mistake if it's true it tends to get blown out of proportion and you know that's just the way it goes right now but uh miguel there was a spark the problem is if you're these coaches how do you quantify that yeah we got a spark but he he fumbled the game away like what do you do there like how do you say okay you know we got something going i can understand for if you're the coaches today zach you felt like all right this is the third game drew's had to play in Each one he's given the ball away at least one time. It's nothing but confirmation to them of their decision that they made to go with Teddy. You know, you wonder if uh, at that point the Broncos were fired up and playing for Bridgewater and his health and, you know, just like the Demarius Thomas factor last week. And it's what a buzzkill it is when you finally score a touchdown and then two plays later your defense gives up a touchdown right back to the Bengals. So uh, there were multiple factors for the reason the Broncos lost this game. But if you want to talk about the defense – Falling apart at certain times, not coming up clutch. That's on Fangio. You want to talk about the sideline gaffes and the mismanagement and the clock and blowing opportunities. That's on Fangio as well. There are multiple people at blame. Uh, again, though, I think it falls at Fangio's feet. I mean, what is it now? One victory out of how many? Where's JT? JT has the statistic like, yeah, memorized. He, t- he tweeted us, I believe. I, yeah. Teddy Teddy was 0-18 when entering halftime going into this game. So officially now he's 0-19. I think Fangio had one win. Was he like 1-20 yeah. at halftime? So says Something a lot. Something like that. And you, there's a reason why. You know, there, there are reasons why. And in the case of the Broncos, it's that you don't have the passing offense. I want to give credit to, and then we'll grab Doug here, to Eric Trickle, who had a, an article this week talking about the passing offense and how, you know, the, the receivers, specifically Sutton and Patrick, have kind of been iced out of the offense uh, since week eight for whatever reason. All right. And the big risk with that is because you can say, well, you know what? All because te- we hear from Teddy, we hear from Shermer this week. Hey, all that matters is we're winning games. Uh, that's cool. But eventually you're going to be put into a situation, Zach, where you got to throw. And if you don't have those, that chemistry and that connection, that, you know, ability to make hay with your boundary guys, it's going to bite you in the rear end. And it did today in spades. I mean, Cortland Sutton dropping that slant on third down in the first quarter, for example, that's on Cortland. I mean, I'm not going to try and blame uh, Pat Shermer or Teddy Bridgewater for that, 
But there is a little bit more of a 4D component to this in that the chemistry is just, just not there. They just, Teddy just has iced these guys out of the game to a point where it's, you know, I put myself in, in Sutton's shoes. There's no excuse for not catching that ball, but you start to kind of understand when you, when you see the backdrop. How about Garrett Bowles with the two holding calls? How about Dalton Reisner getting abused for a sack late in the game? The offensive line fell apart once again. And that was a theme in the preseason after the first game against the Vikings when Drew Locke would enter. Not to make excuses because I think he's dug his own grave by this point, Chad. But it seemed like everything around him fell apart as uh, compared to Teddy Bridgewater where everything was kind of maintaining in place. It was never explosive. It was never sexy, but at least it was, uh, you know, coherent and, and tangible together. Not the case when Drew Locke comes in the game. There were so many faults and blame to go around. You want to talk about Pat Shermer, who hired Pat Shermer? Who was the one, like you mentioned, Chad, to get rid of a rookie offensive coordinator who went 4-1 and one with a rookie quarterback and all in favor of a guy who got fired by the Giants at that point. So they, this is a problem uh, that's been metastasizing, I think, in the Broncos' proverbial body for a couple years now, and it's coming home to roost. Doug, thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. He says, guess we should root for the Colts now. I wonder how far we are from being a playoff team. You guys are right. We beat bad teams. I hope Locke would have risen. I hope I hope Locke would have uh, would rise to would have risen to the occasion today. Yeah, I had hopes. Probably is what he's. Yeah, we hope too. I mean, and it looked good initially, right? It looked good. You got all right. Touchdown, moving the ball. I mean, it was literally the most explosive sequence of plays of the game that first possession when drew entered and that wasn't saying much i mean because it had been such a pedestrian offense up to that point and even that second possession man they were moving the ball like the offense suddenly had a spark the Bengals were playing it a little bit different because they started thinking about drew will throw the ball beyond the sticks and you saw the running game open up a little bit as a result of that and then the fumble and again it's just so frustrating. It's just so frustrating. But, Doug, thank you, buddy. Uh, the Patriots, I think, would wipe the floor uh, with the Broncos. And I think the look what the Colts did to the Patriots, though. That was a really impressive game on a primetime stage. That's just really yep. good preparation, really good execution. And it's more than I can say for the Broncos right now, unfortunately. Travis, Tarbox, appreciate you, buddy. He says, I hate to say it, but this season is done now. I hope Teddy is okay. We need a new head coach and OC. Yes, indeed. Uh, Smith Corona in the hizzy. Good to see you. My friend says, I'm just tired beyond ready to trim the fat specifically coaches QB room and move on. Yeah. That's the thing, man, is as Zach said, I mean, you can, you had hopes that this would be it for drew, right? Third time's the charm in terms of this was the third time this season he's been forced into action because Teddy got hurt and you're like, all right, this is the charm. And it looked like initially third time was going to be the charm. And then that fumble, dude. I just, I get, I can't get over it. I'm just, it's just mystifying that. I think he's cursed, honestly. At Drew Lock in Denver, he needs to change the scenery. Whenever he starts to do something good, something bad always happens. And again, not to blame any supernatural forces or things out of his control. That fumble wasn't his control. He lost the ball, but he just can't catch a break in Denver. It really is sad to see. Something about, I think, something threw off the football wheel of karma from a lifelong diehard because the Locke family wasn't just, yeah, we grew up Chiefs fans. Um, you know, what else is new? They are diehard, died in the wool, the whole family, like hardcore at Arrowhead, tailgating every day, you know, food trucks outside the the stadium because his family owns restaurants there in and around Kansas City. Like he was not just a Chiefs fan. Like Chiefs were a big part of their family. Let's just put it that way. And there's something about that 
you know, being drafted to the Broncos. I mean, we, we would talk about it, Zach, in, uh, as of his rookie year and last year, like anytime he, the chiefs came up on the schedule, there was always some kind of weird thing for him. Like it was just, instead of it being a business thing and you just go take care of business, like it was an issue for him somehow, some way he would never admit it that way, but you could see just in the way he would talk about the chiefs, you know, be, what was it? The Darth Vader comment. Do you remember that? I got to be Darth Vader here. And it's like, dude, you're the Broncos. You're not Darth Vader. You're Luke Skywalker. What are you thinking here? Big dog, little things like that, but it's all about that football wheel of karma somehow got thrown off kilter for Drew. I think Zach by being drafted to one of, well, let's just let's just say it: the worst possible team for a Chiefs fan to get drafted to, <laughs> and with the worst possible coaching staff as well. And if that didn't do with Chad, I think last year's whole CV disaster, I think, was the final nail in his coffin. He just needs to go to another team and move on already. David, thank you, buddy. He says, "I don't even know what to say about this game. Is it true Locke threw the ball away on the last play? I wasn't able to watch. Yeah, went out of bounds." Well, it was like fourth and twenty-four or whatever, twenty-seven on the five. I mean. Yeah, they went backward from the second the defense got the ball back. But again, the dagger in that final sequence uh, before the defense or before the offense got the ball back was giving up that third and eight. You got to get that stop. And, you know, PS2, he's a young guy. In the future, I have little doubt that he will be able to make that stop and, you know, not allow that reception, break up the pass, whatever it may be. But this is yet again, it's one of those seasons where, you're always a day late and a dollar short. You just can't quite get over that hump in a consistent way. I mean, look at this. Vic Fangio Zach <clears throat> was very resentful of the notion that this was a roller coaster team. Jekyll and Hyde, up, down, up, down. Look at the pattern here. I mean, it is striking. Three wins in a row, four losses. And then you had one little stretch of a two-win game, uh, a two-win streak, eight and nine. And then since then, it's win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Win. It's literally the epitome of a Jekyll and Hyde. Mike Reno says, I'm not blaming Drew for that turnover. Why the heck are they calling a run pass option on the nine? Seemed like the team actually got a spark when Locke came in. It did, but yeah, you can question the play call. But Drew Locke has to maintain ball discipline there. I'm sorry. You you can't excuse him for that fumble. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked the Broncos to keep pushing the ball through the air. Or if they want to run it, hand it off to freaking Javante Williams. Why would you have Drew have an, you know, an RPO in that situation? But yeah, you have to call it fair, and I'll, I'll always be fair or try to be. Uh, he fumbled the ball. He lost the ball. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater in that situation would have fumbled. And I think in hindsight, that's why we see Fangio and Shermer's proclivity for Mr. Teddy B. Eddie Keating, hey, buddy, appreciate you. Thank you for being there earlier today for Kelberman's Corner. That was fun okay. talking with you. Uh, he says, I honestly hate the coaching staff. Hate's a strong word, but then he goes on to say, they hate Locke, and they're throwing him under the bus just to prove they were right about choosing Teddy. They need to go now. Peyton, it's time. Thanks, guys. I really don't know what you mean about that, dude. How are they throwing him under the bus? Like, he was pressed into action. He played, played well for a minute. Then he gave away the ball and the worst thing about that Zach you are in scoring position man yep you know oh it's just so frustrating even though they probably would have preferred a field goal in that situation knowing Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio <laughs> play for the FG baby that, that's the problem that's why Drew another reason why Drew never really would have worked out they don't, just don't have the right mindset for that type of quarterback but yeah I mean he he lost the ball in that situation good job on his part and Garrett Bowles part to stay with the play and get the ball back for Denver or no it's they were ruled down by contact, right? It, it should have been. It was a kind of a ticky-tack. 
uh, sequence there. Yes, indeed. Uh, George Fox, appreciate you, bro. He says, Drew played good until the fumble, but he did get us a tutty. Now maybe we get a new coaching staff. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Jordan, jumping in. Appreciate you, Jordan, with the stars on Facebook. Will Knox as well. You the man. Appreciate you as well. Um, very hot and heavy chat tonight. So much to discuss. Let's grab MJA Maja 2873. How about that? MJA. I'll just say MJA. Should we start Calvin Anderson over Bowles? No, Bowles has been good. It's just that, you know, this is the first game. I think he had one kind of, pardon me, kind of like this last year, Zach, later in the year after he'd already kind of basically laid out his second team all pro body of work. But this is the first real face palm Garrett Bowles game in a, I'll say since 2019. And uh, last week, for example, going against the Chiefs, like he was locked down, dude. Like he was money. What you hate to see, similar to the Drew giveaway, is the bonehead plays came in clutch moments. It's inexcusable. The first hold, I can kind of give him a break on because he was trying to keep Drew from getting murdered after he'd gotten beat. Uh, The second one, in the clutch like that, like where every second and yard is just crucial, that's the one that, he deserves some some shape. I think it's fair to say that Bowles is better than pre-2020, but he's not as good as 2020. It took a little bit of a downturn after the contract extension. I think that's to be expected as well. You have to always factor that in. I don't think he, he was playing. Uh, it was realistic to think he can sustain that level, but also give credit to the Bengals' defense, and Trey Hendrickson is just a beast. Those guys get paid too, and, and uh, he made Bowles pay on a couple occasions there, but it's old Garrett rearing its ugly head. Jordan says, why did Vic call a timeout with a Cincy player injured? Shake my head. I know it's one of those, again, it's a, it's a, it's a question of competency. It really is a question of competency and great defensive mind. I'll say it. I think Vic Fangio is a great defensive mind. Generally speaking, great head coach. He's not a details guy. He's not a, you know, find the, pattern in the chaos you know bring everybody to a single objective and go execute that objective and rally the troops and interface and engage with the players and all that stuff he's just he belongs up in the booth you know calling his defense has to talk to the media once a week you know that's that's Vic that's what he where he belongs it's part of the job description, though, Chad. I mean, you it can't is. excuse away those no. responsibilities. And just because he doesn't want to do them, it's like saying, oh, I don't want to write. Well, I, I have to. It's part of my job responsibilities. He's and do not- it well. You don't just write. You have to write well. And in Vic's case, you don't just head coach. You have to head coach well. And he's just not cut out for that. You know, again, if I'm saying when you were gone, when your uh, connection died out, if we held VJ to those standards, why not hold Vic to those standards? I think he's had an ample sample size to prove himself. And the errors he's committing weekly are just as bad as the quarterback play, just as bad as any other factor, if not the worst factor. Scott says here, and this is a good point, the pattern for the Broncos is crystal clear. Opponents that are strong in the trenches, they beat the Broncos Every single one. Yes, they well, are. They were missing Draymond today, for sure. Yes. and But you know what? I'll say this, because they were missing Draymond. They were mess, missing Kenny Young. I was pretty impressed with uh, – what's his name? I just lost it. The 50. Uh, uh, oh, Jonas. Yeah, he played Jonas Griffin. Game. Thank you. Um, I thought he played well yeah. and with intensity, and he was flying around out there. And, you know, Baron Browning continues to, for the most part, 
uh, impress me. I mean, they're rookie moments. They're going to happen. But this Bengals rushing uh, offense was held to 113 yards. I mean, and that's a couple of good backs, including Joe Mixon, who I I know he's banged up a little bit. But uh, Mile High Kid jumping in. My goodness, the horrible clock management was so frustrating to watch and the missed field goal. It becomes cumulative, Zach. In these type of games, the margin for error, it's razor thin. It's so thin that you can't even – you can barely see it. Missing a field goal, that was probably in and of itself, that field goal, enough to ultimately have doomed the Broncos in this game. But then the cascading effect of the remaining mistakes that occurred from the fumble to the Broncos allowing a touchdown. How many plays was that after Drew threw the touchdown? Two plays, touchdown, right? And then we can go back to PS2 and go back to Bowles. I mean, it becomes a cumulative thing. It's a one possession loss, though, by a few points. And let's say Fangio costs them three at the end of the half by playing for the field goal and putting McManus in a bad situation. And then he burned his last time out weirdly north of the two-minute warning and just didn't set up correctly for the offense. So that's a potential six-point swing in a five-point game. Mm -hmm. That's where my mind's going with it. Mike Reno says, we lost this game in the first half, not the second. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Maybe talking about the field goal. I don't know for sure exactly what you mean by that, but um, appreciate you, Mikey. Miguel says, holy moly, Batman, the Broncos have tight ends. Dude, you're seeing Albert Okuwebunam leap over dudes on a daily now. Every time he's on the field, he jumps over a cat and gets a, a first down. And even Noah Fant, you know, the last couple of games, he's he's looking better and you just want that trigger man that can be consistent and get him the ball. And you, these guys can go to work for you. Uh, you said it exactly. Get him the ball. They can't do anything if they don't have the ball. And no offense. He's been written off by so many people playing through a tough season that included the death of his mother unexpectedly, Chad. And he's had to overcome that. Just give him the ball and let him make some plays. And, and you're seeing what's possible when they do that. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, we got Jelly jumping in. Thank you, Jelly. This was an offensive bag of manure. All that god dang talent and 10 points. I like that. 
I hate I hate no one, but I very much dislike Pat Shermer. What do we do now, guys? Well, what we do now is we're. I just said this right before we went live in the in the green room. We suffer through two more games of hey, we're still technically in the hunt, mediocrity, knowing this was it because you're not going to beat the Chiefs in Week 17. So that that could be really your only gimme game of the of the remaining four. The one game that you could maybe afford to lose was the season finale. You couldn't afford to lose this one. That's it, man. It's over. So the problem is it's going to be frustrating because all we're going to hear is how we're, we're still in the hunt, never say die. Right. Stranger things have happened. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Broncos in 2011 backed into the playoffs despite losing their final three games All right, and won the division. So stranger things have happened, but you just can't count on those stranger things, especially for a team like this who is literally slave, Zach, to the sliver margin for error. Tim Tebow ain't walking through that door. No. It's not happening for Denver this season. They might not win another freaking game, Chad. I mean, it's it's realistic to think with divisional opponents remaining that they might not pick up another victory. Maybe one, but eight and nine wouldn't cut it for Vic Fangio. So to the previous comment, what can we do? Well, 22 days. Wait 22 days until Black Monday rolls around and the Broncos at that point would replace Fangio more than likely and move on to getting a hopefully better head coach in the building. Yeah, I am looking here just real quick. I'm doing a scan to see if there's any other quote. This is from Troy Rank, C- uh, CBS, Denver. Fangio said Bridgewater checked out okay. Will be held overnight in hospitals. Precaution, not sure if he has a concussion yet. That's the latest from what I'm seeing on Teddy. So there's a chance he could even play this week. Doubtful. I, I, I kind of right now anyway or am doubting that, but it's possible. Uh, Hero Vidal, what's up? How do you expect Locke not to make boneheaded moves when he gets no practice or real game snaps and his coordinator is Shermer? Our coaches are slow. I get that. I do. Listen, I get that. It's frustrating. But Drew Locke, you can't fumble the ball right then and there. There's no excuse for it. Was it a bad call? Yes. It wasn't a good call. But Drew Locke, Pat Shermer wasn't the one that punched the ball out and Lucy Goosey was doing this, trying to pretend like you're a point guard edging past the forward on a on a fast break like dude this is footy ball and that's the penultimate sacrosanct object is the ball hold on to that sucker that gummit yeah you know you got to call it like it is i don't think practice reps has anything to do with drew lock not holding on to a ball that's something that you learn from day one of playing football in peewee is you know holding the ball securely, not like a loaf of bread, not doing anything that would risk a turnover, especially in the red zone so near the goal line. So it's all on Drew Locke. You can question the play calling. I think that, like Chad said, it's a bad call. Why would you have an RPO there? But can't give up the ball. Can't do it. And if you are going to RPO, it should have been an RPO throw, right? Like give whoa, it whoa, to, whoa, Chad. Whoa. Give it to Javante. Right, if you see the DE do a whatever right on the edge, if the DE reads the right or, or uh, keys the right way, give it to the running back. If not, you pull it down and you throw it. Drew Lock running never a good option. I mean, when he's outside the pocket, for the most part, you you can be relatively confident that he'll pick up some plus yards, maybe even make a play. But in the in the congestion like that, contact bad idea, Pat. Wyatt Horning. Vic definitely called up and told Pat to call that play to make sure Locke doesn't show them up. Two drives, two tutties would have wouldn't have looked good. Pat single-handedly cost us the game. I'm sure you're joking a little bit there, Wyatt. I, at least I gotta hope so. Vic Fangio's coaching for his freaking life, bro. 
like he's coaching for his career as a head coach in the league. Like probably no one in that stadium wanted Drew Locke not to fumble more than Vic Fangio in that moment. I don't want to feed this theory too much because I'm with you. I don't think it's necessarily true, but let's say you're Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio and you know that Drew Locke is so prone to turnovers. Why would you call the play to begin with in that situation? Why not hand the ball off to Javante Williams? Um, and there's also, Chad, remember in the preseason when Teddy was in the game, this, this was a storyline for a few weeks. They would go forward and every fourth down when Locke was in the game, they would punt and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, not, not go forward on fourth. So there's, I guess, something to be said for how the coaching staff feels about both quarterbacks. Obviously, they prefer Teddy Bridgewater. They do not like Drew Locke, but I don't think they went to those lengths. But you know what? If they really hated Drew, he wouldn't be the number three. He would not be the number two. And they've stuck pretty hardcore to him despite every exposure he's had during this regular season. It's been not just forgettable, like it's been not good. And today is the first example of him actually doing some really good things on the field in this regular season. And then he completely uh, torpedoes that with the fumble. Claude, holding number 72. I know, right? It's like you're having flashbacks to the traumas of 17, 18, 19, can we, I feel you. Can we just show this real quick before we yeah. get to that super? JT hopping in here from Vic's Presser. He said he called the play. I'm talking about the RPO because Locke is good at it. That's literally what he said. So a little rationale behind the play call. Okay. Doesn't make it right. any better. But. Cool. Um, nobody – I haven't seen that in the offense this year. Have you? <laughs> no, I'm surprised they ran an RPO. That blew my mind, you know, in, in general. So what does that mean, Locke's good at it? Because if they're not running it on the field, they're not – freaking practicing it i promise you that and why would drew why with the backup i don't buy that bs for a second 19 ehf thank you buddy with herbert and mahomes in this division we need a true franchise quarterback who can get the team over the hump quarterback purgatory sucks i know man we're starting to be able to fully relate to what it was like to be a browns fan from the time bernie kosar uh declined up until i guess you can say baker Think of how long they went through quarterback purgatory. Like they just could not get it right. How many first round picks, you know, how many high dollars spent on that and just couldn't get it right. I'm, I'm giving myself the chills here, even comparing the Broncos to that horrendous Browns stretch, but at least it's George Payton. All right. And George Payton, I think can find a solution. I, I hope anyway. I, we have to go on what he's done so far in the talent building process, and he's picked really good groceries, pretty tasty ones, Chad, figuratively speaking, and just give him the opportunity. Though. Don't foist Fangio upon him for two years in a row. If he's the general manager and it's his operation, let him choose the head coach. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, Andrew Baker says, coaching, coaching, coaching. Shake my head. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, you the man. Yes, indeed. And that's the thing is we can sit here, Zach, and point to players – you know, the best players not only not showing up but contributing in critical moments to lapses. Um, but at the same time, you need your coaches to come through in these clutch games, man. You need your coaches to be one of the reasons, one of the difference makers to you winning a ball game, not one of the culprits to a loss. And here we are on the same sad topics, the same sad tropes that we've unfortunately had to ride since Vic Fangio came here. I hate to keep deriding it, you know, because it's not only just a t-shirt at mylehighlandallpod.com, but the Broncos don't have one coach 
that they can win a game because of. Take away even Fangio. Are you going to win a game solely because of Pat Shermer? No. Solely because of Ed Donatel? No. He's just a puppet, and certainly not Tom McMahon either. They really have no one uh, they can win by the strength of their coaching staff with, and that's a problem as well. And then on top of that, when you pair someone like Vic Fangio with someone like Pat Shermer, and they're both so out of touch, and they're both so incompetent in their own rights, how do you expect to win with any quarterback, with any set of personnel, with any talent level? You can't. Addison here. Thank you, Addison. Says, in my opinion, I'd move mountains for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. You know, I the ain't Watson, mountains for Deshaun. Yeah, the Watson thing. Who knows? I've we've seen it happen before, not just in sports, but politics. When a celebrity gets busted doing something, enough time passes that eventually it kind of gets brushed under the rug, and people kind of forget about it, and they go about their business. Maybe that happens for Deshaun Watson. I doubt it, but unless it does he's radioactive to the Broncos because the Texans are still going to want to haul for him. They're going to want some big time capital to give up Deshaun Watson. And if all things were equal and he didn't have those radioactive accusations and potential criminal things coming against him, then, you know, that just becomes a, you know, a value proposition. Is he worth it to us to give up a couple of ones and a two or whatever? Now you have to worry if I give up those ones and twos, what if he does get charged or what if this, you know, you can't think about Watson as a viable possibility unless something seriously, Zach develops on that whole, you know, those, all those accusations front that's favorable to him, which 22. I mean, I just don't see it happening. Naj love you, buddy. Thank you for that very generous super. He says, Hey brothers, first prayers up for Teddy, tremendous effort by the team. Very proud of him. That sequence before the half and timeout at the end of the game were sickening. Broncos offense plays scared and other teams know it. That's again on the coaching. Well said. The thing about Deshaun, I think he's going to um, Philly. I think that's going to be the team. They don't like Jalen Hurts there. Gardner Minshew obviously isn't the future. I I think he's going to go there. Um, Naj, it is sickening. You know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you can talk about Pat Shermer. You can talk about Teddy or Locke. But when it comes back to the coaching always, and when your coaching is literally taking points off the board in such a close contest, how could you point the finger at anybody else? And then on top of that, you have the coach who's the culprit pointing his finger at everyone else but him. That's the problem. Sadly, sadly. Um, different strokes jumping in from UK. Very cool. Thank you. Appreciate you. Um, your UK... Cardiff Broncos fan here. Watch the game. Sad that it was Teddy or nothing. Just shows how bad the team uh, is at, at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, there's just so much there that you could really go into as far as quarterback. But bottom line is Broncos moved off Drew for a reason in their estimation. All right. And their solution short term at, though it probably was, was Teddy for this year. The wisdom of that, I'm always going to question. Um, and to this day, Zach, I'm always going to wonder, well, hey, you know, Drew Locke showed improvement in the preseason at training camp. Why didn't you stick with the incumbent? Because you could have always gone to Teddy at any point. But that's all, that's that water, Zach, is so far under the bridge. Me even mentioning it right now, as I just did, is literally freaking pointless. Drew's had his opportunities. You know, like if you think about fairy tales in in the sports, and they've happened, guys. Look at Kurt Warner's story as a as a fairy tale example of how things can play out. 
for guys who were ready for their opportunity, right? Drew had three opportunities this season, despite the disappointment of not winning the job or whatever and having the support of the team as the incumbent. You had three opportunities gifted to you uh, to step in and make the coaches realize how badly they made a mistake. Couldn't do it. I know, um, yeah, Drew Locke's not it in Denver. He needs to go. Uh, he's he's not the guy. He's Cursed. Not That's the best way to put it, dude, the way you said it. I think he really is afflicted by some force, the football gods or whatever, or just Drew Locke's own, you know, faults. He's just cursed in Denver right now. But watching Teddy Bridgewater, is that a quarterback that you'd pay $20, 25000000 million to? I wouldn't pay him half of that. And his injury, and it's serious, and I, I truly hope he's okay, it kind of overshadows the fact that he wasn't playing all that good. I see a comment by Flippin who says that Teddy lost the game more than Drew Locke. I don't know if I go that far, but he wasn't, like usual, doing anything to win the game for the Broncos. His passes were inaccurate. They were low. They were sailing. He just doesn't really bring much. On top of that, there was no fire like usual. He goes out there very stoic, and the team plays that way. And when the running game can't get going, it's downright ugly, as we saw in the first half. Yes, indeed. Um, Dang it. Yeah, EHF, I, if I didn't get you, we'll come back. We'll circle back to you, buddy. All right, let me uh, let me see where we're at here from Torres 27 a newer name on Super Chat. Welcome. Thank you. Connect on Twitter. We look like a different team with Locke in the game. I strongly feel Locke wins the game if he had played from the start. You could see the defense back off. You could. That part I'll agree with you on. I'm I'm ambivalent on whether or not, you know, I'm I, I lean on – I, I would lean towards you probably still lose, even if it's Drew. But that's true that you could see the defense start rethinking their approach when Drew Locke started pushing the ball beyond five yards. Guys, that's the thing you got to remember, all right? Defenses, they, the Broncos are an easy test for NFL defenses, dude. They know the ball's not going past the sticks. So if you know, it's a numbers game, right? It's a, uh, It really is just a numbers game. You know the ball's not going back past the sticks, and the only hope this offense has of staying on the field is their running game. You straight up stack the box. You flood those zones, and you flood the short area zones in the passing game because you know the ball ain't going over your head. And when Drew came in and started throwing it a little bit, you could see Cincy kind of back off. And then what happens? All of a sudden, running room for, for Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. And, you know, so that's the symbiotic nature of offense and how it goes against defense and having the right guy. But the problem is, even though Drew has that penchant, Zach, for pushing the ball and more of an aggressive disposition, that's just who he is. He's just more of an aggressive uh, – he calls himself a gunslinger. That's just more of his thing. You can't trust him not to sling the ball away. Yeah, exactly. There's a risk factor involved, and I'm not making comparisons, but it was the old Favre conundrum. He would always – you know, as, as – as, Often as he would make a play, he would make a boneheaded play, and that's kind of what Drew Locke is afflicted by. But if you look at the running game when Drew Locke came in, just from the threat of a downfield pass, because Cincinnati knew that Locke has the arm to challenge them vertically, the running game started to get going. And uh, if you compare that to the first half with Teddy, they were doing nothing on the ground. Also, credit, I'm a big credit where credit's due, guys. Cincinnati's defense, sure tackling, 
They didn't let the Broncos running backs go crazy. They played a really good game against the Broncos rushing attack. Uh, they uh, executed very well. So my hat's off to them. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos, and by the way, I do now, I think we did get EHF talking about QB purgatory sucks. Um, I'm looking at the numbers here. Let me just do a quick share screen. I know there's a lot of supers that are stacked up. Um, or how, how many more do we got, Scott, that we haven't got to? All right. Let me, let me just say this, then I'm not going to do a share screen. Broncos. Total net yards, they put up 292 today, all right? They were 7 of 16 on third down. The Bengals were 4 of 13 on third down. So you actually saw the Broncos' defense do a better job than is their uh, norm this season on third down against the Bengals. Uh, Total yards for the Bengals, 249. 113 of those were rushing yards. Broncos had 133 rush yards. Net passing yards, 59 on the day. Drew Locke finished 6 of 12 for 88 yards, one tutty, and a 102 quarterback rating. Teddy and the the fumble lost. Teddy went 12 of 22 for 98 yards. All right, so it took him 12. It took him six additional attempts. This is this. It perfectly encapsulates, uh, as passers, kind of the difference here. It took Teddy six more attempts than Drew, or not attempts, six more completions than Drew, Zach just to put 10 more yards on the board than Drew had. Yeah, and when you think about the Bengals' uh, ground yards, a chunk of that came from Burrow himself just scrambling. So credit where credit's due to the Broncos as well. They played Joe Mixon uh, as well as you can hope for. He didn't break off any game-changing runs. Uh, they, they tackled pretty well. So uh, they did some good things. It just wasn't good enough. And like I said on KK earlier today, boy, I would hate to be a defensive player playing for Denver right now. You know, you do your best, you bust your ass for 60 minutes, and then your offense or your coaching staff lets you down, and you lose a monumental game. Yeah, but again, they did play well today, but when the chips were down, they faltered. And the elite defenses don't do that. Elite defenses, they're that stingy, predatory freaking animal until the whistle, the final gun sounds. All right, we got a really rapid fire because I didn't realize we're this far in. and We got a lot of waiting super, so we got a rapid fire. Steve Hale, thank you, buddy. I thought Drew won the starting job. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but I can't help but wonder – with this, with his growth, if we wouldn't be farther along, not like Shermer's play calling is that creative. Yeah, you can wonder, you know, because in the same sense, Zach, that Drew, you know, as a young guy, has to get that boneheaded moment out of his system and then kind of go about business and things kind of stabilize. From a team perspective, probably would have shaken out that way as well. You probably would have had one or two ugly games early on in the season where Drew's doing some buffoonery stuff, and then you could expect him to stabilize um, somewhat, right? To what degree? Hard to say at this stage. How much did he really develop between the end of the 2020 campaign and, you know, when that point would have been early in the season? But it's one of those we're never going to know issues, Steve. Yeah, I think they would have about the same record because Teddy hasn't solely won the game for the Broncos on any occasion this year. And you might argue that Drew Locke might have given away a game if he started the whole year. So I'm going to say they would have been 7-7 seven and seven or 6-8 uh, and eight right now, which are Yep. Jelly, why can't we trade coaches like for picks and players? You can. Remember the John Gruden trade? Gets traded to Tampa Bay and then wins the Super Bowl that year against the team that traded him. I mean, legendary that moment. Belichick was traded from uh, the Jets to the Patriots. It happens. But no one's uh, no one's going to trade for a head coach to make him their defensive coordinator. Uh, Travis Weber... Thank you, buddy, and take on that contract, right? 
Teddy was showing signs of movement. Teddy showing signs of movement is a very good sign. I never want to see anyone injured or being carted off. I was saying earlier on Zach's show that this morning I read an article on CBS Sports that the team could be sold as early as this spring to a group that includes Peyton. Yeah, it's not the first rumor on that front, Travis, that we've heard about Peyton trying to kind of muster together a buying group. But it really does feel like uh, some kind of resolution on the whole ownership issue is coming this spring. Um, not just from what we're hearing in rumors, Zach, but from what uh, Joel has said, he's planning on being gone. John Elway's contract's over. Like, you know, John Elway's only got two weeks left on a contract, or maybe longer than that. I'm not sure exactly when his contract expires, but this is his last season as under contract as president of football operations. Lando, don't call me Calrissian. Love you, buddy. Uh, and then, Zach, if you want to grab Spencer. Yeah, Spencer, $5 super. Appreciate you. Is that a new name, Chad? Spencer mm-hmm. Hanny? Mm-hmm. We appreciate mm-hmm. you. Uh, welcome, Spencer. Feel free to keep joining us on the podcast. Kenny Piggott, come on down. He says, jokes aside, loads of talent, young talent, just need a clean house. Also, I know Chubb has been injured, but is he non-existent? I thought he actually played pretty well today, Chad, especially in the first half. He might have fallen off, I think, in the second, but he was looking a little bit like the Bradley of old. He even was busting out the uh, Vaughn celebration. Yeah. Only two pumps, though, so yeah. you know, shout-out to old Vaughn. He looked like he gave the Broncos some fire. I wouldn't say he's non-existent, but the injuries really set Chubb back badly. The, the biggest thing, the biggest impact you see from when Chubb's on the field is that edge gets set, period, end of story. He'll set the edge. You don't have to worry about that. It's just that his rushes, man, he just can't get home. Isaiah, good to see you, my friend. Hope you've been well. Appreciate you ha- coming back to the uh, to the manger. He says, how can we not get Jerry Judy and these other weapons the ball? Kind of glad that Shermer is getting put on blast. We need change. Hashtag Russ Wilson 2022. Hard to watch tonight, fellas. Stay faithful. Yeah, I mean, it was Teddy. He took one shot and uh, – or was it? A shot today. Now I'm I'm trying to remember if it was. I'm I'm mistaking it for when uh, Judy was running wide open. Teddy had to dump it off because of pressure. But either way, J- Judy's the last guy you should feel too sorry for because he's literally the only receiver that that Teddy has uh, involved in the passing game since week eight for the most part. I thought it was going to be a good thing for Cortland Sutton when Drew Locke entered the game, but the whole passing offense under Pat Shermer and. With a quarterback, admittedly, as erratic as Drew Locke, it's never going to get going. And it's so weird when Jerry Judy gets a ball thrown his way, and then we all have to remember collectively, oh, Jerry Judy still exists. Jerry yeah. Judy's part of the offense, too. A former first-round pick. All the talent in the world wasting him as well. It, it really is pretty sad. Appreciate you, my friends. Uh, Mike says, once the turnover came, the receiver stopped trying. Not impressed with Judy at all in this game. Yeah, you could see when that turnover happened. Um the offense, something changed for the offense. Like they, they were buying it for a minute. They were like, all right, we can still win this because Drew just threw one to, to Timmy P. Like we're good. And even when the defense gave up a tutty two plays later, the offense got it back. They started moving the ball, man. They got down there, but they gave up the ghost. No doubt. Good observation. They gave up the ghost, Zach, when that fumble occurred. It we was got the, here we go again, right? They just can't overcome it like they can't overcome a holding penalty, Chad. They're not good as an offense enough to overcome any little mistake. Everything has to be perfect for the Broncos to move down in the scoring range. Not even score a touchdown, but maybe even get a field goal. That's the state of the Broncos' offense. It has to change. Can't go on like this. The DWI back with another super. Thank you, my friend. He says, yeah, I'm done with trying to find a silver lining the last six years, but I have found one this year. 
George Payton. And yes, Zach, I can't wait until Black Monday. 22 days, baby. Can't wait. You know, Broncos might not win another game. And that would ensure that Vic Fangio goes away at 7-10. and 10. They need change. Again, I said this on KK. I don't advocate for people to lose their job. Very tough business, hard to cut it. And he's a good coach in his own right to an extent. But it's been three years now. You gave it a good shot, I guess, with Teddy and Pat Shermer. And he made his own bed. And now you have to lay in it. So, time. Snake Fitting, another newer name. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, connect on Twitter. Judy has been quiet this season. Zero yards today. Yeah, I mean, quiet. He hasn't had a breakout game. He since week eight has easily been the most targeted wide receiver on the team, but he doesn't really have a prolific body of work to show for that. It's been rather pedestrian. And one of the reasons for that is even though Zach, Jerry Judy's getting targets from Teddy, we're talking about seven yard routes and Judy gets tackled three yards later type thing where it's, you got to get a lot of those to stack some volume, right? To stack some numbers. Like you need a lot. He's not getting opportunities to make big plays downfield. He has to 100% rely on, you know, his speed. Hopefully I can break this tackle and then go to the house. Like, that's it. You're not getting a ball beyond freaking 10 yards, dude. It just isn't happening with this offense. JT, across the pond, love you, buddy. He says 22 days. Talking about Black Monday. But if you have the the talent, if you believe in a player enough, same with KJ Hamler when he was healthy. If you have the talent, use him. Utilize him. Not every C.D. Lamb opportunity is a deep ball. Not every Justin Jefferson opportunity is a deep ball. They have that amazing talent, and they find ways to get that talent the ball. It's not complicated. Pat Shermer and Teddy Bridgewater are unwilling or unable to. It's really that simple. Appreciate you, JT. Um, all right, we are at 104, so we got to really hustle here. Jelly, thank you. He says, the top quarterback in the draft, I'm back with a three-peat. Hashtag MHH lit. Thank you, buddy. Um, I don't know. Ah, I'm, I'm undecided on this, but I watched that Liberty Bowl game yesterday, and Malik Willis, you know, if you get him the right coach, he might be like the biggest stud that could come out of this class if he lands in the right place. And we don't know who the coaching staff is going to be here yet, so it's hard to say. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more how I feel about each and every quarterback that's even being talked about as a round one prospect once this season's over at this point I'm just so tired of watching Teddy Bridgewater I'm so tired of watching Drew Locke whether it's Russ Aaron a rookie quarterback anyone has to be an upgrade over what we've seen this season I'm ready for just a new fresh blood at the position put it that way Seth Harmon good to see you brother he says I want to see Rodgers with Vic or Vic gone if the Broncos go three and oh they still have a decent shot at the playoffs See, here's, here's where we come back to the if thing. Guys, it ain't going to happen, all right? You're not beating Kansas City unless they rest their starters. Like, that's your only hope to beat the, the Chiefs in the season finale. So losing two of the final four, the odds of them still being able to sneak in as one of the, of the uh, wildcard teams is pretty dang slim. Agree with what you said, but if Aaron Rodgers can't even make hay with Matt LaFleur, who's like the chillest coach in the NFL, how is that relationship with Vic Fangio going to work? That's like oil and water, as far as I'm concerned. Colby, good to see you, bro. As awful as this game was, I feel like we needed to lose to get a new coach. They all seem to be best friends, the coaching staff, so no one wants to let anyone go. We may need to be under 500 to get a new staff. No, they miss the playoffs, dude. Vic's gone. I'm telling you right now. You can't go three years of 
two of which be in sub 500, probably this one being sub 500 when it's all said and done under a new GM and expect to keep your job. It's just not going to happen, dude. They will move on from Vic Fangio if this team doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and the second part to that is how what you were talking about. How can anyone have any confidence the Broncos are going to take down and go undefeated, but not just take down three division rivals back to back to back? Considering the way they played today, I don't see it happening. They're, they'd be lucky to win one more game. They go 3-0. DWI throwing down. Thank you so much, thank bro. You. I hope you know that means a lot to us. Helps keep the lights on. Just thank you, buddy. Um, I, I need to check on where your jersey's at, by the way, um, unless you've gotten it. I don't know if you've gotten it. Let me know. Uh, he says, my contribution for Russell Wilson next year. Enough of the mediocrity. Go bold or stay home like we've been. I feel you. I'm going to, Zach, real quick, you riff on what he says, and then when I come back, I'm going to uh, rapid fire a few from the back end. I'm just going to read them because we don't have time to respond to every comment and question tonight. Well, first of all, that's very generous, and we appreciate you uh, guys, DWI guys, as a matter of fact. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, even at 80%, even 2021 Russell Wilson, I I believe – I wouldn't love the compensation you give up. I wouldn't love taking on his contract, but his talent alone – so much better than Bridgewater, so much better than Drew Locke. You put them on this team with these weapons, with this defense, they're a 10-win, 11-win, or plus season this year. I don't know that George Payton will go all in, surrendering multiple first-round draft picks to a 34-year-old quarterback by that time, coming off the finger injury, having having a downturn of a year. Same goes for for Aaron Rodgers. I don't don't know that he's going to give up a compensation package to take on the contract, but how could you not... Love the idea, thinking about that, putting Russell Wilson on this Broncos offense. is tantalizing. Appreciate you, Ethan. All right, um, here is one from Spencer who said, Kenny Pickett, come on down. Jokes aside, loads of young talent. Just need a clean house. Also, uh, oh, I guess we did get that one. Um, hold on, let me see here. Marcus Carlisle saying, Chubb got locked up by a third-string tackle. No sacks. Yeah, very uh, uneventful as a rusher, but great against the run. I'll tell you that. He was very good against the run. Uh, Cristobal Zach says, Teddy update, just a concussion, spending the night as a precaution. According to Vic, they don't know that it's a concussion. So, Cristobal, I'm curious if you've got a, a, a source on that. Like, what did Cliss report some? We'll check it as soon as we get off. But And then here's one, Zach, and I'll serve it back to you from yeah. Jonathan Ward. So frustrating living here in enemy territory in Missouri. Still looking in the window at the real teams making the playoffs. I hate the Chiefs. <laughs> you know, got to give credit to Kansas City, though. They seem like they're coming alive at the right time and uh, getting hot at the right time, and the Broncos just have to compete with that. And uh, it's tough being in that division, and it's tough living in uh, Chiefs country, but hopefully next year is better. Not much more we can say. Driscoll Jones, thank you, buddy. Three to three, two, two GMs. I'm not sure what you mean by that, but let me keep reading. Drew Gunna Drew giving us hope just to let us down. Reason why he's a QB, two. Get well, Teddy. Malachi Smith says, listening to the presser irritates me. Vic puts it on someone else. Locke puts it on him. He made a bad play, but at least he takes ownership. Vic could learn or should learn from the kid. Uh, Clayto Tornado, hey, lads, it's been a minute. Decided to break my break my break from watching this team, and all I can say is, my goodness, even though Drew turned it over, the possibilities of a strong-arm quarterback in this offense are insane. And then two more here, Zach. From Seth Harmon, I feel like Pat kept clicking the same play on Madden. Fake jet sweep, just changing the personnel. And then Antoine Curry. Thank you, Antoine. Whether Teddy or Locke, this game proves that next year we will have a new quarterback. Teddy checks down, Locke, inaccurate, and turnover prone. 
I almost wish that the Broncos offense would be just pressing ask Madden randomly. I feel like that have more success and they take actual downfield shots than what Pat Shermer is doing. But we have the queen hopping in here, gracing us with her presence as she wants to do. $15 super. Love you, Christy, so much. Great to see you. Sorry about the game, but hope you're having a good night. She says, thanks for the show, guys. Tough loss, and I hope Teddy B is okay. I echo that. Hope you all have a good one tonight. By the way, trolls are manure. Echo that. Definitely true. Don't let them get to you too much. Twitter's a toxic place, as you know, Christy. We love you. We appreciate you. Great to see you. Thank you. You the bomb. We love you. Addison, um, if not Watson or Wilson, though, my other hope would be drafting Malik Willis, even though he's had a down year and uh, run a Raven-style offense. I could see it. I could see it, but you just got to – you'd have to really make sure you got the coaching hire right. Uh, Z-Dub, good to see you. Smouse in the house. Teddy should be a vet, know how to make the offense come together, but he doesn't seem to want to be in the game. Yeah, I don't know, man. Don't know. He just doesn't want to push the ball, really. That's it. And so the Broncos become predictable and easy to defend. And then here's the Duchess, Michaela. Love you. She says, another letdown. Can we move to Black Monday tomorrow? Another wasted season. Teddy plays like a backup. I don't know another way to put it. If he were to be a backup and he come in the game and he play like the, the way he plays, we'd be like, okay, because he's a backup. But when he's yep. a starter, his shortcomings are magnified. And you see why he's not cut out to be a starter, a long-term starter at the NFL level. Certainly not with the Broncos, with what they should be doing on offense. It's okay to call it like that. Great number two, not such a good great number one, as far as my opinion. Truce the poet. Can you guys pull strings and get Peyton Manning as our offense coordinator? Yeah, right. Peyton, uh, he's not he's not down for that grind, baby. Maybe as an owner, maybe as an executive, but grinding everyday meetings, that's a commitment. Let me tell you, that's a commitment, baby. But I think we're almost out of here. Rod TV, I feel so bad for our receivers, but I feel bad for Judy the most. All offseason, he put in the work, and they're wasting him. Hope he won't leave us and then destroy us. Yeah, he did put in a lot of offseason work to solve those hands problems, right? And we haven't seen them be a problem this year. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's not been able to find a way to make big plays, even though Zach, since week eight, he's been the team's most targeted wide receiver. Just wait to see him with a different quarterback and a different offensive coordinator. Just let's see what he can do in an offense that fits his scheme or fits his talent and matches the scheme to his ability, not the other way around. I, uh, he's under team control for another few years. We don't have to worry about that. But um, I'm putting a little bit of the ineffectiveness on the quarterbacking and the coaching. But at least he's getting his cardio in, Jen. You know. Yep, and that's got to do it for today, guys. And you know what? On that same note, Zach, before you do the rundown on yeah. matters of business here, that same sentiment, Rod, that you say about what he could be, right, Je- Judy, goes for just about every key starter on the offense at the skill positions and even non-starters like Javante, who will be a starter next year, like you get these guys, not just a competent quarterback, but even a modestly plus average quarterback. And the world can be your oyster. Like there is no hill you cannot summit if you find that quarterback. Easier said than done. That's going to be, as soon as they figure out the coach, Zach, that's going to be priority number one for George Payton. That's another if that we're wrangling with for another off season, it looks like Chad. Another year. Hopefully, this is the last off season that we have to worry about that. But that was the gut reaction huddle up podcast of the Broncos week fifteen. 
loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll be back on tomorrow night for the uh, aftermath episode of the pod. But in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can follow the main account on Twitter for all your Broncos news, rumors, analysis, film breakdowns, transactions, and more at Huddle. Follow myself, because I'm on the left side tonight, on Twitter at KelbermanNFL. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. And if you haven't, go to HuddleUpPod.com right now and get yourself a hat that we're rocking. Get yourself a hoodie. Get yourself a beanie, coffee cup. It's all right there at HuddleUpPod.com. And Facebook.com slash Huddle. Chad, I know you did Broncos Book Club yesterday. I did KK earlier today, Kelberman's Corner. We also have Trickle Zone each and every week. Five bucks a month. Well worth it. Three VIP shows at your fingertips right there at Huddle, And also my uh, Facebook.com slash Pod. Note the difference and follow that page as well for all the latest at the brand. And if you haven't, guys, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you can't do those things, do these three things that take five seconds. Subscribe, like, and share to this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Keep your chins up, Broncos country. Three more games to go. And then it's all about the endless possibilities of what could come next. And that's when things are going to really get fun. Shout out to these star supporters on Facebook tonight. Miguel finishing the night on top. Doug Raquel right behind him. Tim Hoffman, Jermaine, Mike, Andrew, Andre, Pete. Good to see you, Pete. Colby, Eddie, Will, Claude, David Wilder, Jeff, Lando. Don't call me Calrissian Lee in the hizzy. I just love saying that, dude. I'm, I'm envious of your name. George Fox, Travis Weber, Charlie, Wyatt, Lawrence. Much love and respect to each and every one of you. Uh, Keep your chins up. This too shall pass. We'll be back tomorrow night for the Aftermath podcast, and we can't wait to talk to you then. Take care, and as always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And right now, get 0% APR financing plus $3,000 total bonus cash allowance on 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab models equipped with a gas-powered V6 engine. Don't miss this great offer. Visit Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer today. Financing for all qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 1031 22.